Welcome back to the show. And, you know, I, I'm a little remiss, I have to tell the listeners here. Uh, it's been too long since we've talked with our friend Jonathan Honig, the capitalist pig. This is the first time in 2020, Jonathan, that we've had you on the show. I, I'm sorry. We, we've just been so nuts here. We didn't get you back sooner. How are you, sir? Well, Mike, it's great to be back with you. And look, we've got a lot to celebrate already in 2020. Uh, despite all the tumult, all the uncertainty, whether it's in the Middle East, whether it's in China, or even political uncertainty here at home, the economy is persevering. American economies are innovating. American workers are working, are creating new jobs. Uh, CEOs are. So we still got a lot to celebrate here in America and here in this economy. You're right. And and one of those things, uh, we're going to talk to um, our, our automotive friend, Lauren Fix, who the car coach, about GM putting $2 bucks into a plant in Detroit that's going to bring a lot of jobs. I didn't think I'd ever see Detroit have a renaissance like this. And it is a good sign. At least I, I hope it's a long-term good sign. Yeah, I mean, look, what a difference, uh, what, 10 or 12 years, Mike, makes. I mean, Detroit is is on the rebound, and the biggest American car company isn't even Ford or General Motors. In fact, it's Tesla. Now, the second biggest car company in the world, only behind, what, Toyota, and Toyota's been around for almost 90 years. So as long as we still have these innovators, Mike, the, the, the Teslas, the Bill Gates, the Steve Jobs, and all the rest, this country's not going to fall and not going to fall too far. Not going to fall too far. That's true. That's a, that is a good sign. Speaking of Apple, Apple had a big day yesterday. Yeah, it beat earnings expectations, the stock at an all-time high, even after increasing 85% last year. It's up again year-to-date and, and uh, doesn't seem to find a top. And, you know, Mike, I, to me, it goes back to that one word, and that is innovation. I mean, one of Apple's big breakout uh, successes so far has been its its AirPods, its, uh, its headphones, in effect, its wireless headphones. And, uh, this was a category that basically didn't even exist even a couple of years ago, just as the iPhone didn't exist before then. So as long as we continue to have that virtuous process, of new innovation, and people say, well, you know, they, now I have to go, buy out, <laughs> go out and buy the, ear, the, the, the AirPods, well, people are enjoying them. It's benefiting their lives. It's benefiting their productivity. And that's been a major key, of course, to Apple's success. Now, look, uh, 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 there's no monopoly, Mike, as you know, in capitalism, and Apple has to comp- has to continue to compete. You know, they're under pretty serious competition from Android, whose phones are by and large about half the price as Apple. So we're going to continue to see this virtuous cycle of new innovation, new products, new benefits for consumers, and hopefully for investors as well. But Apple, without question, is going to be a standout today. The stock's going to open at an all-time high. Wow, that's amazing. I have to admit, I'm a little bit of a fanboy. I have every iteration of the AirPods, including the new ones. And you know what's amazing, Jonathan? When you buy the old corded headphones, I was losing those at a pace of about three per year. Since I put 150 bucks, 160 bucks into a pair of the AirPods, I have not lost one of them. Well, you you are an anomaly, Mike. You know, Apple estimates that about twenty percent of people lose at least one of those AirPods. You have to imagine <laughs> that's helping their sales even a little bit. But uh, uh, it's terrific, you've been able to hold on to your original pairs. Yeah, I have. All right, now looking at the market, the day after the big announcement 
that the uh, coronavirus in China had kind of spread and that China was starting to give us more information that we had known before. It kind of signaled that this thing might be a, a global concern, a pandemic, if you will. The stock market reacted horribly on Monday, and then we had a rebound yesterday. Um, this threat to the global economy from, I, I, they're calling it the Kung Flu, a virus that developed out of uh, China. Is this real, or are people just overreacting? No, like I actually think there really is reason for concern here. You know, they used to say that when the U.S. catches cold, the West, rest of the world gets pneumonia. But now it might be more like when China gets the neurovirus, the rest of the world catches a cold. Because China, you know, Mike, it's not so much that we're at risk really for thankfully getting the neurovirus, or excuse me, the, the coronavirus here at home, but China is such a major supply hub. Uh, all of the major components for electronics are made in China. So, so much of the world's commerce goes through China, is traded through China. So this really has the potential. And believe me, if, if China is telling us that there's, you know, 5,000 cases or 8,000 cases, it's probably more like 50,000 cases and 80,000 cases. Uh, so this is really, I think, does have the potential to, to blow up in a pretty ugly way, not necessarily even for our own health, but for our own economy, if this continues to spread as it once did. So you've got major company, companies that are shut down in China, pulling their workers out of China, factories that are idle in China. And for a company, let's say like, oh, I don't know, Microsoft or Starbucks, I mean, that's simply lost sales, right? A lot of Chinese aren't going to be buying those products. But when it comes to the manufacturing, this is a supply chain issue that could reverberate. I mean, there's estimates about what this could shave off of global GDP. So I don't think it's a reason for panic, but I do think it's a reason for concern for U.S. investors. You know, Mike, we've always, we've always said this. Look, we say in good times and bad, now especially is a great time to get that financial house in order. You know, we're going to have a correction in this market. It went up almost unexplainably straight, straight line up last year. And so far, we've had a good year this year so far. Not great, but good. It's only the first couple of weeks. Great time to once again get one's financial house in order. You know, the economy is humming. Unemployment is low. The market is high. So, you know, whether it's paying down that financial, uh, that, uh, that consumer debt, or at the very least, getting three months' worth of living expenses, you know, three months' worth of rent, three months' worth of mortgage payments or grocery bills, get that in the bank, get that sequestered in a money market or CD, makes you so much more capable to deal with small drops like we had on Monday when that virus, uh, the severity of that virus was announced. That's a great point. And I love the fact that Jonathan Honig, our friend from thecapitalistpig.com, always finds time to get a little bit of a lecture about how we should all get our financial house in order. And he's right. I did something last year, two years ago, Jonathan. I had a little money market fund where I had my three months stashed away. And it used to be tied to my ATM card. You know, I had my checking account and the money market fund was tied to it. And I went in for my, you know, annual meeting with my guy and he goes, hey, I think we should take the money market off of your ATM card. <laughs> and well, I, I asked him why you're laughing. Cause you know, I asked him why and he said, you know, if anybody compromises your ATM card, they have access to this chunk of your, your three months of security account. And point. what he did admit this year, when I went and talked to him, he goes, 
you know why I really told you to take that off of there? I said, no. He goes, you told me that was a savings plan. And every now and then I saw you dipping into it because it's a bigger number. And you're like, okay, I, I can hit that. And he said, since we've done that, that has grown. And so that little thing has saved me a, a, a couple grand, you know, and it's made that security blanket a little more solid. Uh, we've only got a couple more minutes here, Jonathan. I got to ask you a couple things here. Um, you you talked about how China and this virus could affect the global economy. I hear the term black swan event and that the disruption of China in things like the supply chain, for example, the supply of copper to the world could be greatly disrupted if China is technically shut down in production. Is that black swan event what's looming out there? Is that what we're all thinking about? Well, that's the, the frustrating nature of those so-called black swans, Mike, is that we, we don't see them coming, and they are difficult to anticipate. You know, there's so much when it comes to our investments that we can't, simply cannot control, and that's why we need to focus on what we can control, our own spending, our own habits, uh, our own techniques, and and, you, you know, I, I think you're right. I mean, we don't know just yet. It's just in, still in the process of emerging just how bad this, uh, this uh, coronavirus could get. Uh, so that's what makes that uncertainty so unnerving and, and why, you know, as we always say, you sleep better at night when you take care of yourself first. So, you know, I, it's hard for me to make a prediction at this point, but if you look back at, for example, the SARS virus for going on now 15, 16 years ago uh, that affected the world's economy, I mean, Boy, that knocked uh, 10, 12 percent off the U.S. market when it was all said and done. So I think when it comes to news about the coronavirus and probably news about a lot of what's happening in China, it's going to get worse before it gets better. That's a great reason for caution when it comes to our own investments and our own spending habits here at home. This is going to get worse before it gets better, and it gives me some pause and some concern. Again, not for our own health but for the potential global supply chain and global economy writ large. You know, Mike, we've been riding a sugar high for quite some time in this global economy, and the correction's going to come. This could be the black swan that brings us there. Okay. His name is Jonathan Honig. He is the guy behind thecapitalistpig.com. He's also the guy, and if you go to thecapitalistpig.com or Amazon, look up Jonathan's book. It's a couple years old, but it's photos from the trading pit in Chicago. Jonathan, this is a fantastic little gift for anybody you know that's in the, uh, in the business of trading. I was, I was absolutely gobsmacked by it. Great work, sir, and we appreciate you being here on the program. Thanks, Mike. Have a terrific morning. Always happy to be with you, and the best to your listeners as well.